0: I forgot to thank Laura for uh, uh, helping us today. Um, We are back in the book of 1 Peter, and uh, believe it or not, we are going to finish up the first chapter. Uh, If you've been around for a while, you know that uh, it's taken us a while to get here. We're going to read... Actually, I'm going to back up and, and I'm going to read uh, from verse 3 uh, down to the end of the chapter. It's, it's a long section, but there's something that uh, uh, I noticed as I was thinking about this this morning uh, that I wanted to have that, that before. So we're going to begin at verse 3, read down to the end of the chapter. 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. This is God's word. with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicated, indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is faithful, you also be holy in all your conduct, Uh, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This is God's word. Please have a seat. Oh, I have always read and read and read. I don't even remember when I learned to read. Now, maybe you have things read to you, uh, but I hope that you'll love to read. I read all kinds of books growing up. Sometimes I read them two or three times. And I loved reading to my kids when they were small. Iris Sleeps Over. If you haven't read Ira Sleeps Over, you need to ask your mom and dad to get it. And Mike Mulligan and his steam shovel. I read all kinds of books. And I still read everything I can get my hands on. I read comic strips in the newspaper. And I read boxes of cereal. And the things that they put on boxes of cereal. And I read magazines and newspapers. uh, All kinds of stuff and uh, i always always love to read but you know there's one book and i bet you can guess it one book that's my favorite book that's the bible and sometimes i have to say to god if you take away every other book i've got and our house is full of books if you take away every other book just leave me the bible And I've read the Bible for 50 years, more than 50 years now. And I've read it again and again. And I've read it from front to back. And I've read some books many, many times. Um, And I love reading the Bible. And I hope that you will want to read the Bible as you're growing up. And you'll never stop wanting to read the Bible. So we're going to talk about that now, okay? let's pray our father in heaven i pray that you would bless our time now uh, looking at your word thinking about your word and and um, come to love your word and trust your word more and more because it tells us about jesus please please help us help me we pray in jesus name amen Our uh, our relatives think that Joni and I are religious, mm-hmm. and uh, and so they find religious books to give us sometimes. So we got the uh, the best of Bishop Fulton Sheen, uh, who, if uh, anybody remembers, was a Roman Catholic prelate who had a TV show. Uh, and then uh, they gave us. Uh, don't sweat the small stuff and everything is small stuff Um, and uh, and yet those are not the kinds of books that uh, I think we're looking for in uh, 10 years who's going to remember Chicken Soup for the Soul are the words of Lady Gaga going to help you when you face eternity now I love Stephen Ambrose the historian I've read a number of his books but I can tell you that it doesn't help me with my sin because no dialogue from a TV show or no song that you hear uh, on the radio or any place is going to finally endure if it's just the word of men. There's something absolutely certain and dependable in the passage we're looking at, that flesh is like grass and the word of the Lord stands forever because it tells us about Jesus Christ. Now Peter's final words here in chapter 1, of course the chapter divisions are later than Peter um, Echo Jesus' words. Uh, we heard actually Jesus quoting from Deuteronomy chapter eight. Man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we're gonna we're gonna start out looking at the context of verses twenty three to twenty five. Then we're gonna look at the character of man's nature. Then we're going to look at the quality of God's word and finally the commitment to hear and obey that word. So the context is brotherly love. The character of man's nature is highlighted in this passage. The quality of God's word is underlined. And finally, uh, the commitment to hear and obey is uh, set before us. Now, if you notice, uh, Peter in verse 23 is talking about loving the brethren. And if you look down to chapter 2, you see that he begins that chapter uh, this way. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn babes long for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow into salvation. Uh, If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. So in verse 22, he talks about brotherly love. And then chapter two, verse one, he talks about putting away all malice and uh, all deceit. And really another way of talking about loving. So right in the middle, after he's talked about love. In verse 22. And then he goes on to talk about love. In verse 1. Why does he talk about the word of God? Now. I read out of the. um, English. Standard version. And verse 23 begins at this way. Since you have been born again. Now. The English standard version is trying to help you understand. Uh. What uh, Peter's getting at but there is no sense in the Greek it's a a word that's added to help us understand so the King James will simply say um, having been born again but either way you're going to understand what Peter's getting at if you've been born again you've entered the family of God And you're born again by the word of God. Hearing the word of God. The word of God tells you about Jesus. It tells you about the gospel. And you become part of the family of God. And you have brothers and sisters. Now, probably many of us have had brothers and sisters with whom we fought sometimes. Argued, quarreled, whatever. Um... But they're still our brother or our sister. We still treated them like they are part of the family that we're part of. So when you're part of that family, having been born again by the spirit through the word, then as God's children, you're to love one another. So that's the connection. I think Peter's just reminding us, we belong to the family of God. Therefore, we're supposed to, To treat one another this way. And we're born again through the living and abiding Word of God. So the next thing he does, beginning in verse 23 or 24, uh, is he contrasts God's enduring Word that he talks about in verse 23 with man's Word and man's character, man's nature in verse 24. So, to really understand God's word, we have to see this contrast. Now, he's quoting here from Isaiah chapter 40. So, if you have a Bible, you can turn back to Isaiah chapter 40. And it starts out a very famous way Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. That her iniquity is pardoned, that she is received from the Lord's hand, double for all our sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows over it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever now leading up to chapter 40 a lot of things have happened chapter 37 in Isaiah uh, talks about how um, King Hezekiah is facing the forces of Assyria Assyria at that time was the dominant power in uh, the Fertile Crescent and The king of Assyria was named Sennacherib. Sennacherib sent his general to conquer various lands and one of them was Judah. So uh, this general named Rabshakeh or called the Rabshakeh came and he stood before uh, the walls of Jerusalem and he said my master Sennacherib says You should surrender because your God will not help you. So the challenge uh, that uh, Hezekiah and the people uh, locked inside the city of Jerusalem were facing is, what are we going to do because this man says that no God can withstand my power? Sennacherib says that. So he's despising the goddess scripture and what God did is he destroyed Sennacherib's army and uh, Sennacherib went home and was killed by uh, some of his sons Uh, well you'd think that the people had prayed God had answered uh, God had delivered them in a marvelous way you'd think that they were ready to do whatever God said obey God completely, but not so much. Hezekiah, in the very next breath, you might say, turns around and he shows his treasures to uh, envoys from Babylon. Now Babylon is the next power on the scene in the Fertile Crescent. It's going to uh, finally take over from Assyria and become the dominant world power. And Hezekiah apparently wanted an alliance with Babylon. Uh, However, when Babylon came uh, into power, it actually did conquer uh, Jerusalem and take the people into exile. Through this all, God has already told in the book of uh, Isaiah, God had already told his people that a deliverer is not going to come from Babylon, Assyria, Egypt, or any other place. The deliverer is going to be a baby born. Chapter 7. And this baby will be uh, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the wonderful counselor. Um, And so uh, Babylon would destroy Jerusalem but God was going to send a final deliverance in the, uh, the form of Jesus Christ. So man had spoken, but man's words were like the grass of the field, like flowers of the field. Sennacherib and his general spoke, and he was destroyed. The king of Babylon spoke, and Babylon was finally destroyed by the Medes and the Persians. But God speaks and his words are unlike the words of men. They endure because Jesus is born. Jesus does come. Jesus is crucified. And Jesus does rise from the dead. The first thing that God's people need to hear is that man is like grass. Grass. Man is like the flower of the field. Man's glory is like that. You think of our past 20th century. How glorious was our 20th century? We put a man on the moon. We developed antibiotics. We developed computers. And we murdered hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. And we had wars. And wars destroyed countries. So is man's glory enduring? Is the glory of man on the bestseller list of the New York Times? Huh. It goes away. It changes from week to week according to who is paying for, uh, paying for it, you might say. Um, what about Oscar? Oscar night. Do you remember who won Oscars this year or the previous year or five years ago? man's like grass we're living in virginia what happens in virginia in july and august everything dries up you got to water your grass and pay for it if you want to Uh, well the scorching wind comes and the grass withers the flowers lose their petals Everything seems to go away. My dad, and my dad was a very smart man, said he was going to read the great books. And after he got to the first or second great book, he said, is this worth it? I've got other things to do. (laughs) So he went out to his workshop. Uh, You know, what about the best of man's writings? Socrates and Plato. Anybody read Plato lately? anybody meditating on Plato or Socrates. The greatest of men die. Plato died. Shakespeare died. Vladimir Putin is going to die, believe it or not. He's going to die. The breath of the Lord blows on man and man dies because he's like the the flower of the field. So human thoughts, human actions, human words, mankind itself is like grass that withers like flowers that fall off because man can't do anything by himself he takes, takes the power of God to really make a difference man's got no power to cause a spiritual rebirth the words of man are empty Shirley McLean, a few years ago wrote a book And in that book, she talked about coming to the realization that she's God. She describes being on the beach and looking around and saying, I'm God. I'm God. That she affirms that she's God. But Shirley McLean's getting older. She's 88. Being God hasn't stopped the aging process for her. People aren't born again by reading the Book of Mormon or reading the Koran. Peter wants us to see that the character of man's nature is temporal. It's time-bound. It's limited because he wants us to know that spiritual rebirth comes through the eternal Word of God. So look at what he says about the Word of God. Verse 23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. Now, he's going to use two present active participles here one for living and one for abiding. These are essential characteristics of the word of God. That the word of God is living and it's abiding. And this is in contrast to man's word, which is fading, which is like man going to wither. Now, Peter is talking about the inscripturated word of God. He's quoting the Old Testament here, the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. And he's saying, this is God speaking. But you know what? In his second epistle, 2 Peter, chapter 3, he is going to talk about the writings of Paul. Like in scripture-rated scripture. Like they are holy scripture. And Peter is saying that his own words in this epistle are from God, that God inspired these words. He's already talked about how uh, the Old Testament uh, prophets looked and inquired carefully about what was to come. And now he reveals that because he tells us about Christ. How's the Bible living and enduring? Well, Hebrews 4, verse 12 says, The word of God is a living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Living in the sense that it does things, it acts, it, it makes you change because the Holy Spirit applies it. Uh, look back at at verse uh, 12. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. So the Holy Spirit is accompanying the word of God and making the word of God sharp and powerful. I remember reading Solzhenitsyn's book The Cancer Ward a magnificent book, a one of the best novels I've ever read. And I remember distinctly looking up from the page and looking around, expecting to see the lines of beds and the nurses and the patients. It was so vivid, so real. But of course, it was just a book. But this is living because... It brings life. In verse 23, it says, You were born into the family of God through the Word of God. The Word of God is a life-giving thing. Change has come because the Holy Spirit applies the Word. Isaiah 55:11 uh, will talk about God having a purpose and fulfilling His purpose through his word he does that through his word Peter in verse 23 talks about the perishable seed but the imperishable seed what's the imperishable seed well it's the gospel the gospel is uh, the imperishable seed Jesus talks about the gospel being spread in the great parable he uses in uh, Matthew 13 about the sower sower And when that perishable seed is spread and blessed by God, it yields 30, 60, and 100-fold. That perishable seed is a living word because it's a knowledge of the truth. It tells us about who we are and who God is. When you read the Bible, you become convicted of your sin. You see yourself in the light of God's word. And then you hear about Jesus Christ. And you hear about how Christ comes to deliver you from your sin. It's an enduring word. It's a remaining word, meno. The word meno means to abide. It's an abiding word. It never gets old. The Bible isn't out of date. People think it is, but that's because they're not familiar with it. They haven't read it. They haven't thought about it. If you spend any time in the Bible, you know how exactly accurate the Bible is about you, about your heart, about the needs you have. I remember years ago, I thought that I'd save magazines and get around to read them sometime. And I had to throw them out because they had become outdated. The news was old. There's no point in those uh, magazines anymore. All the things that we hold on to is man's glory fades. It doesn't remain. Hitler's thousand year Reich only lasted a few years. So the quality of man's character is that it's fading, but God's word lasts. And we have to pay attention to God's word. It's remarkable that in verse 25 he ends this way. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word, the word of the Lord, is the good news that was preached to you. So the word of the Lord is the good news that was preached to you. And verse 12 uses exactly the same language he was announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the holy spirit sent from heaven it's the word euangelizō it's again a participle they were good newsing they're evangelizing you the, you were evangelized through the word of god faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god so the word of god is being preached And the word of God has an effect because it tells us about Christ. We believe that Christ is in all the scriptures. That all the scriptures speak of Jesus. If you start to think about the Bible, when you read the Bible, if you start to think about the Bible in that way, you are astounded at how Christ is there in all the scriptures everything that God has said the person who's been spiritually reborn is now a child of God redeemed from the futile ways of self-made righteousness because he hears the word of God preached in 1 Thessalonians 2:13 paul wrote and we also thank God constantly for this that when you received the word of God which you heard from us. In other words, we were preaching the word of God to you, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, not as passing, fading, but as it really is the word of God, which is a work in you believers. That the preaching of the word of God, as the reformer said, is the word of God. And in our uh, shorter catechism, a question 89 it tells us how the word of god is to be read and listen to this the spirit of god makes the reading but especially the preaching of the word an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith into salvation now this is a radically different view of the worship service than we find today. There are all sorts of things that churches do to keep people interested. Drama, video clips, all kinds of music and such. And the word of God takes the back seat. It may become just a light message of trivial concern. So if this church is to endure, it has to keep the Word of God, the preaching of the Word of God central. And that means you've got to pray for your preacher every Sunday and during the week. You've got to be praying for Matt. You've got to pray that God would bless Matt's preparation Sunday by Sunday. That Matt would be a diligent student of Scripture and that he would come with the Word of God on his lips ready to feed you With that word. This is why James chapter 3, verse 1 says, Let not many among you be teachers, as we will receive a more severe judgment. Those who mishandle the word of God receive judgment from the hand of God. That's a terrifying thing. Lord willing, in my 50 plus years of preaching, I haven't gone astray from the scriptures, but let me tell you, it's something that's on my mind. Now you've got to pray for your own hearing as well. Do you pray that you'd have a heart ready to hear the word of God on Sunday? Not just the preacher, but the hearers. Do you pray for that? And do you pray for your own reading of the Bible? You know, we become so familiar with the Bible. I mean, I have read the Bible a lot. And it's so easy to become so familiar with it that you're overly familiar. And you don't realize the powerful thing you've got in your hands. Because you're reading God speaking. Are we more eager to read a novel? to watch a movie than we are to read the word of God why do we invest enormous amounts of time on things that do not last that fade yet we do because you can be an educated fool you can know all kinds of things but be ignorant of the word of God The word of God is sometimes like a jolt of electricity. It just stops you. I I never read that before. You read it a hundred times before, but it never hit you before. But think of this, that the word of God is sometimes like vitamins. Why do you take vitamins? It's not because you're going to immediately feel that great taking that vitamin. It's because of the cumulative effect That's why we keep reading the Bible. We keep going back to it. We don't want to be forgetful hearers of the word word of God. Think about how important it might be to use simply inviting people to, to worship. Because the Holy Spirit is present and the Holy Spirit can work through the service. So invite non-Christians to church. Don't worry that they're not Christians. Invite them to church because God can work. He can change hearts through the preaching of the word of God. Peter sees the word of God as the instrument that God uses to bring people into spiritual life in the kingdom of God. We have to value the word of God in our lives because it's about Jesus do you want to know about Jesus do you really want to know about Jesus are you hungry to know about Jesus sometimes we have to repent of our attitudes about the scriptures because we're kind of offhanded with them instead of hungry for them the words of men will perish but the words about Jesus, the scriptures will never perish. We have the living word of God. A word that will stand when all the words of men have gone. It will endure. And that's the word that preached to you. Let's pray. Father in heaven we pray that you'll Help us to love your word, to read it, to learn from it, to be shaped by it, to obey it, uh, to be a people that more and more live in conformity with your word. We pray that you'll do these things um, that we here at Peninsula might reflect your glory, who you are, and might delight in you. We pray that you'll be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen.